Okay, college baseball fans, welcome to a little Weekend 10 recap edition. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. A lot, a lot of action going on. And I don't even know where to start, but we're definitely going to break down everything that went on in the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12. You guys know we always do that for you. But there was a lot of stuff that happened in between those. And we're going to start probably with my probably like the most interesting thing to me and how the NCAA came out with a 50% capacity uh, limit for the regional, super regionals, and college world series. So, Dimitri, what are your thoughts on that? Like, with the 50% capacity, are we going to see a hard count there? Like, were they going to count exactly how many seats are in the stadium and go 50%, no more, no less? Or is it going to be a little lackadaisical there? I think – it's going to be whatever your the, – the way it usually works is whatever your registered capacity is, like on your website or the stadium booklet. You know how every stadium got like a health and safety, you know, protocol. They have a seating capacity like on in there, whatever. And that's how many tickets are going to be sold, I guess. 50% of that number could be how many they're sold. And then teams are going to bring in temporary bleachers. They're going to accommodate people all around the stadium. So you think bump. it's just 50% inside the stadium, outside the stadium, like around the fences? Sold, sold ticket. Sold ticket. Okay. And then around the stadium is free game. That's quote no. unquote, like, hey, like, yeah, this is, we're at 50% capacity. But you know what I mean? Like, Vanderbilt's got a whole big parking deck in right field. Like, that doesn't yeah, that count towards your Yeah, the school can't, like, control that. Now, yeah, what, yeah, exactly. Now, what, like, really grinds my gears, and this is the reason why I wanted to start with this, is that, you know, we're still two months away from Omaha. Like, why are you going to put a 50% capacity and limit this, you know, the city of Omaha, which, you know, thrives off of hosting the College World Series every year? Like, this is where a big, big portion of, like, the revenue for that city comes in. And you didn't let them have it last year, which is understandable. Like, they got 0% revenue from that. And now this year you're limiting it to a 50% capacity. Like, dude, 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 here, here's the issue. It's two months away. Like, we're, let's, we're, let's we're two months away. Back. We're two months away. We're already making all kinds of decisions, which is fine. You have to set up. You have to prepare. You, it is what it is. But here's the deal. It's not, it's not a thing of science anymore. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost like the NCAA and all that. It's almost a political Based on your political beliefs, whoever's running the show is your political beliefs. Like the state of Mississippi, state of Texas, all these states full capacity. Florida just hold, hosted a sold-out crowd UFC fight last night. All everything went great as far as we're concerned. Numbers say Mississippi and Texas are going down. Whatever that's for another debate. But my issue is one thing is picking this, and the other is picking this. Like. The stupid. How is the NCAA going to tell the Mississippi State University, who just hosted a full crowd a week before in a regular their last regular season weekend, a week later, two weeks later in the regional, they're only allowed to have fifty percent because someone is making the rules for them. That's yeah, like, what are pisses we, are me we off. At the point where, like, I get it. If it's one of those, like, let's protect the players, let's protect the coaches. I get that argument, but like, we're to the point where are we even like protecting the players and coaches? You see what I'm saying? Like, if they're playing a full sold-out crowd the week before or two weeks before, like, what's different from a week later, right? Like, what? Yeah, what yeah, we, yeah. No, like, what I, are we? Are we really like 
control? I mean, are we just controlling it because we're the NCAA and we make decisions, or are we trying to protect the players? No, 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 Ben. If if the NCAA is going along with their views on things, and whether it's what, like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, they look better if they fit. fit, Let's okay. Here's my example on this: how to break it down. The NCAA says, "Hey, we're going 50% capacity." Everyone's like, "Oh, come on! Like that's ridiculous." But they appear morally correct. You see what I'm saying? If the NCAA says, hey, full crowd, no regulations, we're letting, it's up to the individual state, it's up to the individual university, what they want to do. Everyone says, oh, NCAA, you're so reckless. Like you don't care about the lives of people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they're just morally correct. Yeah, they're just playing it safe down the middle. I get it's it. It's the optics. It's an optics thing, and it's and whatever. That's fine. If you want to do that, you want to do that. But at, at the end of the day, it's a it's outdoor event. It's all outdoor events, which I understand is you know the biggest argument from one side. But whatever. I'm happy. I'm happy that we're actually getting a postseason. It's been so long, and there's no better but feeling you, than watching you know regionals and super regionals in college. I, I'm glad you said that. That you. I'm glad you said the. At least we're getting this. That's what. That's where it really grinds my gears. Is they're taking all these things away, and then they're just giving a little bit back, and everyone's like, "Oh, we're just got to be thankful. We have a little bit." It's like, damn it, no. <laughs> like, like this. You know what I mean? You, you get what I'm saying? No. I, yeah, like, I get it. It's like I'm gonna take every all ten cookies away from you, and I'm gonna give you one cookie back, and you're like, "Oh, at least I got one cookie." And then you sit there and like, "Well, why the hell did you take the other?" the 10 in the first place you see what i'm saying yeah that's what pisses me off it's like yeah we just got to be thankful we have a season which in the grand scheme of things 100 percent, you got to just be thankful we have a season well okay okay let's piggyback off of that because this is going to roll well double headers in college baseball was another argument that was uh kind of going on social media this weekend i mean i think we both agree that double headers have been kind of killing college baseball this year as far as like having teams boost the resume because like the listeners that didn't play college baseball or maybe that don't follow it as well. It is like to play double headers, like pretty much every weekend, at least one, at least one double header every weekend throughout the series. Like it kills you. It kills your pitching staff. It's hard to win, you know, sweep series and build a resume and build that RPI up because it's just very hard to win both games of a double header, no matter who you're playing. And a hundred percent. And we're seeing so many double headers in college baseball now where I'm not like, I'm not convinced the best team is winning every game. Like you can have the better team and play a double header against a worse team. And the worst team will find a way to win one. Like they'll stack their best pitchers up against your like B and C pitchers. Well, and take here, a game. here's the reason why double headers make it so hard for the better team to put together you know, win 10 out of 12 or to be the better team, win a series instead of splitting two and two. When you look at a bullpen and you play a doubleheader, game one, better team is up by three. They use their guy, their closer. They they use their number number one guy to bridge from the starter to the closer, right? Bring their closer in, they win game one. And they let you say they're both through one inning each where they could come back the next day and pitch again. But no. They got to play another game that day. They're not pitching again that day. No. Once you get so, up and get hot and sit for three hours, you're not coming back in. No, no, that, yeah, exactly. So now game two of a doubleheader, let's say whatever. The other team can use their better guy that they but maybe they didn't, didn't use have game one. Yeah, they didn't have to use him game one. And the other team cannot use those guys they used in the first game. So now the other team gets a chance to win the game. 
without the other team being able to use their best guy in the bullpen. So that's why the doubleheader thing are it, it ruined the idea of. And I hope next year we're not going to have it. I hope not. No. But when they schedule these season, the people making the schedule don't think about the little things like that. They don't think they just think, oh, let's just play four game series, less traveling. But then they don't think about how much that impacts the actual dynamic of a college baseball team and the better team to get in the worst team and the dynamics of the game. Yeah. So listen, so the reason why they're scheduling these four game series on the weekends or like what like the SOCON is doing at some other conferences is like game Friday, doubleheader Saturday, they're limiting travel. Right. But what they don't understand is like, if there's just one like rain delay or like one bad weather day, what's going to happen is like what we saw in conference USA on some series where it's two doubleheaders, a doubleheader Friday, doubleheader Sunday, or in the SOCON's case, you're just playing, um, you know, you're playing a doubleheader anyways. So it's Friday, Saturday, doubleheader. And so pretty much every mid-major conference, and then you're seeing some of the Power Five conferences do it too. Every week, like there's three or four or five teams playing doubleheaders. And like, it's just, it's so hard to win the doubleheader, like both games of doubleheader. So you end up having the last game be the difference, like the rubber match pretty much every single time. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, Doubleheaders are cool. Like, let's play two. Like, they're not cool, dude. Don't ever say that again. They're no, not like, cool. They're cool for, like, fans and, like, the whole tradition of baseball. Like, let's just go ahead and play wait, two today. Wait, like, if you're a fan, would you want to sit through six fucking hours of baseball? Because <laughs> I know as a player I didn't. No, no, as a fan, you want to do that? No, no shot. Fuck, no chance. I'm sitting there for three hours in a scorching ass. I'm, hot I'm like rooting for a seven inning game. I'm a believer that I think college baseball should be yeah, seven. And that's innings. the other thing. And that's the other thing. They said, okay, let's play doubleheaders. We're just going to do two seven inning games. But no, yeah. not all of them. Some of them are two nine inning games. I know, but but that's what I'm saying. It's like okay, so let's go back and break down the seven inning game. You have a seven inning game. Starter goes seven. Ball game is over. Ben, where are the 95% of the drama in college baseball? The last two or three innings, every time. That's when defenses, defensive starts sucking. Like hit, Hitters actually start battling at the plate, and then you have flamethrower closers that are like trying to blow but, up. But as a, as a college baseball player, you see the sixth inning, you're like, all right, we got three more innings to go. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, forgot it's a seven-inning game. It changes the mindset of things. And it's just, I hope they never do it again. Let's just get through this season, get to the postseason. We won't have to worry about this shit anymore. No, but, I know. <laughs> yeah, it is awful. It is terrible. It ruins the quality build of a team. Because coaching programs, they build their roster, they build their bullpen, they build their pitching staff to play one game a day. Do you see any other sport playing two or three games, two games a day? No. no. In baseball, yes, there's more standing around. But think on the pitcher side of it. You cannot pitch in two games one day. So, like, it, 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 I hate doubleheaders. I mean, it is sometimes you have to deal with it. You have to grind your way through. But as a part of a set schedule, it is the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, and it might just be because we're not used to it because we're just – I mean, ever since no, college no, – but, but it's not even about being used to it. It's no pitchers throwing twice in a day. So your best bullpen guys pitch once. They're literally it's basically saying you're toast for the next game. Yeah. Whether you throw one pitch or one inning or three innings. If you throw three innings and then you come back on Sunday and you can maybe get an inning out of your guy if it's a must-win game, but if it's a doubleheader, no, no, no question that you are not throwing twice in one day. So now that we're uh, done talking about the negatives, let's talk a little about the positives that went on this week in college baseball. Man, I couldn't get enough of that Ohio bullpen video. 
where all those guys were just sitting on the fence, just raising and just dancing like the most random things in the bullpen. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was something that just explains college baseball, why it's different than everything else. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out on our Twitter. Kind of went viral. I think it had like 35,000 views and it was, it was just funny. Kids having a good time out there. I mean, there was a guy with broom. There was a guy banging a traffic cone. There was a guy with a broom. There was... I mean, it was like whatever they could get their hands on. They were. You know what it reminded me of? Do you remember the, the Harlem, Harlem shake? shake? Yes. Yes, we both yes. just made that connection. Yeah, it was like the Harlem Shake in the bullpen. And the camera guy got an awesome view. So that was fun. You guys check that out on our Twitter. That video cracks me up. It's just cracking me up thinking about it. Uh, some other cool things that happened. Fairfield, 25-0, and 0, start the year. Have a legitimate chance to go 37-0. and 0. Now, is that right? 30? Yeah, they have 12 games left, or they only have eight? What? How many games? They have eight Fairfield? games left. Yes, because the the one one of those series like doesn't exist, but it's on one of the websites for college yeah, baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they have eight, eight two four-game so, four series left. So they have a legitimate chance to go 33-0, and 0, which – the longest win streak in college baseball history was 34, right? I think it's 34. But you got to remember, Fairfield is on a 27-game win streak, counting because dating last to last year. year. Yeah. And so the a lot of people are arguing, are they actually 26-0 and or are they 25-0? and Because whoever they played, was it? Whoever they played recently forfeited a game. And I don't remember who they were playing. It was one of those schools from St. Peter's. St. Peter's forfeited a midweek game. Now – we actually went down and Dimitri actually did some digging and talking with the Fairfield like official Twitter account. And so that game is recognized for conference standings, correct? But not recognized for NCAA. So the NCAA does not recognize it as a win. No, not, not conference standing, just the conference. And yeah, well, yeah, conference standing, but yeah, the conference and the reason why. So Fairfield wants to, wants to go on the NCAA side of things. They want to forfeit the game, get rid of it. They want to say it's a no contest. The conference, but they're not they're not going to do it because there's another team in the conference that has also want to forfeit a game. And Fairfield said, okay, listen, we're not going to get rid of this game unless you get rid of this other team's forfeited win as well. So if they want to forfeit it, we're going to forfeit it. We're going to no contest ours as well. Because they don't, they 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 want to recognize themselves at twenty five and zero, not twenty six. Yes, because they don't want to take that win away, especially since they're undefeated. Now, if they were like twenty four and one, they might say, "Okay, now we're twenty five and one. But like, they want a legitimate, like, clean, undefeated record, which we've never seen in college baseball. The closest thing I can remember, and the listeners can fact check me, but I think like back in two thousand nine or two thousand ten, there was a junior college team, Howard Community College in Texas. I want to say they started the year like fifty two and zero. And they ended up losing in the College World Series to somebody. And I can't remember who, but I remember that was like a big talk of college baseball um, back in, you know, about 10 years ago or so. But um, besides that, so Fairfield off to 25-0 and start, unbelievable there. They had to come back and win today. They were actually losing, I want to say by like two or three late in the game, like seventh or eighth inning, coming back and won. Uh, Ole Miss. I mean, not to jump straight to the SEC, but that comeback that they had was unbelievable. I turned the game off, Dimitri. It was 9-1 to in the eighth. Ole Miss was dead, about to get swept. I tweeted out, LSU's about to sweep, sweep Ole Miss on the road. Like, this is does this say more about LSU or does this say, say more about Ole Miss? And sure enough, Ole Miss puts up an eight spot, hits a game-tying grand slam in that same inning in the eighth, 
And then Kemp Alderman, a guy who's been redshirted all year, comes up and hits a no doubt walk off home run to to salvage the series for Ole Miss. Now that's the same Ole Miss team that hasn't won a series since who knows when March something. March twenty sixth. But I mean, did that did that series tell you more about LSU maybe getting hot at the right time or Ole Miss like not being as good as maybe we thought they were? No, I I think I think it was just a a simple concept of Ole Miss coming off a gauntlet of a schedule and just kind of down. They're just you know like damn, we just lost all these series to these good ass teams, and they had a couple of them close games they could have won. I mean, Mississippi State they had it, they blew it. Um, and the other series against Arkansas. They... But, like, think about this. Ole Miss has had two crazy comebacks, and they ended up losing the Arkansas one. But what were they down, like 11-1 to 1 or 11 yeah. nothing against Arkansas? Yep, absolutely. So, like, that offense is explosive. Like, Ole Miss's offense is very good, even without, you know, their best all-around bat, uh, Tim Elko. I mean, I just don't know, man. I, I don't get it. Like, Ole Miss no, hasn't won a series. So. Well, I was going to go back to what I was going to say was it doesn't the this series doesn't really say hey LSU is good or Ole Miss is bad. It's just more of a timing thing. LSU, you know, or Ole Miss just had a hard ass schedule. They are coming off it kind of down about it. They're like, damn, we got to get back up. We got to get ready to go for LSU. And it's hard. It's not. I'm not saying it's easy or hard to get up for, it, but it was just like you. Let's be honest. You look at the standings. You look at the schedule. You look at the ranking. You see LSU four and ten in the SC or whatever. You're like, you're you mentally you let up a little bit. You might not consciously do it, but you it's do not, it. It's not no, they do hundred percent. It's not like they see Ole Miss coming in at or not Ole Miss LSU coming in at like fourteen and three. Like that if a fourteen and three LSU team came into Ole Miss, I think they have a completely different mindset. Probably so. I I mean yeah, I mean Ole Miss. Are they struggling? Yeah. Is LSU that good? No, not really. I don't think so. I think LSU is still a middle-of-the-pack, bottom-tier SEC team this year. Does LSU um, make a run for a regional? That's something you will have to see. I mean, RPI-wise, they'll be in. But, dude, I'm, I'm a big believer in you've got to finish 500 in your conference to have a chance to be an at-large. Like, like, I'm sorry. I don't care how good the SEC is. If you're not 500 in the SEC, you should you 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 cannot be in the regional. And the committee usually holds by that standard. You have to finish 500 in your conference. Yeah, and so L- LSU doesn't get any easier. They have Arkansas. Um, actually, no, they do. They have Arkansas coming up. Now it's at home. It's at the box. Maybe take one game there. Maybe. And then they have they finish with nine games. They play. Auburn for three, Alabama for three, A&M for three. Now, if they can somehow pull off like a 8-1 record against those nine. No chance. Maybe. Not a, no chance. I'm just saying like we've seen we've seen LSU get hot like in the past. I know this is not yeah, the but, yeah, LSU but type of team, but. Their pitching isn't good enough to go 8-1. Right. I problem. mean, they're missing Jaden Hill, who. Their pitching isn't good enough. I'm not saying their pitching sucks, but it's just it's just not good enough to go through a nine game stretch in the SEC and go eight and one. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. But anyways, moving on. Tennessee put up almost three touchdowns against Texas A&M today. Tennessee's offense is legit. We saw them against Vanderbilt last week. I'm all in on Tennessee. Like I think this is a team that can do a lot of damage in the postseason. Get back to Omaha. They they sweep Texas A&M. Actually, no, they don't. They, they only won two out of three against Texas A&M. And 
remember that was like one of my upset picks. I said Texas A&M could sneak out, you know, winning two out of three against Tennessee. It's kind of a, uh, I don't know, like a sleepwalk series. Now Texas A&M was down and get to Tennessee, and they put up four in the bottom of the seventh to take a six to five lead on Friday night. Or sorry, it was the first game Saturday. So they come back and get outscored twenty six to eight the next two games. Texas A&M, uh, they just they were out of pitching, man. Bryce Miller was still hurt, didn't get to throw this series. That was a big loss, but I'm a big believer in Tennessee. I think that they can do a lot of damage moving forward in the SEC. They, uh, I mean, their offense is just, I mean, it's up there with some of the best offenses in the nation, in my period, in my opinion. And guess what? They have Kentucky for three and Missouri for three the next six games in the SEC. They, uh, they're going to be looking good towards the end of the year when they finish up against Arkansas and South Carolina. Hey, Ben, I want to point something out to you. You're, you're, I think you're going to laugh because I think it's funny. I love how when you just get going into your your little talking zones of SEC scanning and stuff, and I'm like, dude, fuck the <laughs> SEC. Like, I'm like, dude, you know Sorry. what I mean? Because, I'll just because, start getting on a list. No, but, no, but, no, but like, it, it's, it's a point I wanted to make because it's, it's, you're sitting here listening to you break down the SEC, and me too, we're talking about the SEC, and you're like, you, you feel like you're talking about – let's say the big league and you're talking about the whole league, right? Yeah. And then you sit there and think, holy shit, there's a whole another 20 conferences in college baseball, but you're just breaking down the SEC so deep. And it's just like, it's so easy to do it. It's so <laughs> easy to do it. It's such a, it's such a trap. And I do. Know, and, and I do, I do the same thing too. <laughs> and it's like, sometimes I, I remind ourselves like, yeah, we can dive into the SEC, which is perfectly fine because at the end of the day, it is the best conference. But it's like, well, don't it's, forget, don't forget. Know, like, well, let's talk about the ACC then, because that Florida you, State. But you get what I'm saying, though. No, like, I get it 100. percent I just fall into the vortex, man. It's a dark <laughs> fault. Yeah, the Matrix. It's, it's just so like, I don't know. There's just so much to talk about in that league because I think it's just so interesting, but. Uh, let's talk about the ACC. Florida State goes to Atlanta. Our boy Matt Nelson hits his literally nation-leading 18th home run of the year. It's been 11-7 bump, I'm telling dude, you. Since he's come on the podcast, man, he's been seeing nothing but beach balls. We don't want to take credit for it, but we, we're going to. We're going to take credit, you know, <laughs> not really. But, I mean, he's had seven home runs since oh, he came Oh, I'm taking credit for it. Yeah, in like two weeks. I mean, he's been red hot. Now, Florida State did blow a lead today, and Georgia Tech avoided the sweep. And gave Danny Hall, longtime head coach there, his 1,300th win, one three zero zero. That's how many wins he has. I mean, if you would have put a gun to my head and said, like, how many wins does Danny Hall have? I would have said probably like six or 700. All no right, idea. So, no idea he had double that. So this, this is a little more personal for me. Danny Hall has been a child, a, a family friend of mine since I was 10 years old. Um, I've been I've been looking up to him since I was probably about ten years old. My brother played with his youngest son, Colin Hall, who now is at Georgia Tech. His oldest son Carter went there, and he graduated. But anyways, I've been going to Georgia Tech games and sitting in the dugout with the Georgia Tech players, hitting on the field with them, hanging out with them, going to pool parties with their family. Like I've known we've known the Hall for a long time, and seeing him get his thirteen hundred. 1,300th career win is pretty awesome. And here's why. Danny Hall, when he got to Georgia Tech, he was replacing the legendary 
Jim Morris, who went to yeah, Miami. Went to Miami. Yeah, I was about to get there, so, too. And really fast, he built Georgia Tech into a powerhouse. You're talking big league, your first rounder after first rounder. After, I mean, Derek Dietrich. Was um, he there with, like, Nomar and Jay – who is it, Jay so Payton? Veritech, Veritech, yeah, that was the beginning yeah. of Danny Hall's career. And then it went to, like, Matt Weeders and those guys. Weeders, Derek Dietrich. Um, oh, my God, there's so many. There's so many. I, I mean, I can't even name them all. But I got to be in the dugout with all those guys growing up. Um, get go, get in high school, getting recruited. They Danny he basically just told me straight to my face, "When you hit ninety, we're gonna offer you." And I said, "Okay, bet I'm gonna <laughs> hit ninety because I wanted to go to Georgia Tech. Like that was, I mean, other than Miami, that was the school I wanted to go to." Yeah, and I didn't hit ninety. Didn't hit ninety. Mercer offered me all these schools started offering me because I was like 88, 89, right? I would, I was not hitting that. I finally hit 90 and I sent him a video or they, I don't think I sent, I said, I don't think I said a word to them. They found out because I think like a couple of weeks later, I hit like 92 or something. And so they were like, they called me immediately and they were, they were like, Hey, we don't have any money because this was kind of late in the, on the like in the summer of, for yeah. my senior year so like i was getting ready to commit soon and they called me and said we don't have any money we're, we're gonna let's give you a walk-on spot at least for your first year and then we can maybe give you money down the road and i basically said hey coach i appreciate everything you've done for me um you know i love you you know like i would love to play for you but out of personal respect for myself and get and holding myself to a higher highest standard i was like i can't do that i cannot accept that thank you um you guys had plenty of chances to offer me you just yeah. waited too long and you didn't think i was good enough and i took that as a little bit of a disrespect and that's and probably understood. how you got to 90 and 92 you were and disrespected he, yeah and he completely understood he said no absolutely i mean he just said i just didn't want to lead you down a path like i didn't want to lead you to believe that hey we're going to you're going to come to Georgia tech kind of thing. We're going to offer you like, you know what I mean? He just wanted to yeah. keep us straight. We were family friend, but he wanted to keep it business like with any other player. And that's why every time I pitched against Georgia tech, I stared down their dugout. Ben, <laughs> I think I went six and two in my four years against Georgia tech. And I think I gave up one run over like Wait, 20 you went six and two. Not me personally. Mercer, oh, oh I thought you meant like you started every game against. No, I didn't start a single game against Georgia. I came in the pen every single time. And about a year ago, I think, or two years ago, I was going through my stats against Georgia Tech because I was with I was with them and we were talking about it. And I think I went 22 inning, one earned run in my career against Georgia Tech. Are you serious? With like four or five saves. Jesus, man. Well, and and every single time I stared in their dugout at Danny Hall and Brian Prince, who was their recruiting coordinator, who is one of the greatest dudes I've ever met. One, I love the guy. He ended up retiring from baseball. But anyway, I stared in their dugout every single time. And every and they, time, they and they knew like, exactly why, why I was doing it. Why did we it. not get this kid? <laughs> right, and so it was just it was just awesome. And I love Danny Hall, and I'm so happy he got that 1300th win. Um, how many more do you uh, think he has? I mean, he's got a long career ahead, right? So the, the, we've always talked about it and I don't want to like get too much into detail, but we've always kind of made, we, we, like me and some of my friends and or 
baseball family, like parents, friends, we've always assumed when Colin, his youngest son graduated, he was going to retire, but I'm not sure yet. I, I think the guy still got some years left in the tank. I mean, how old is the guy? He can't be like he, that old. He's, he's not like Augie Garrido old or like Wayne. Wayne I think Graham he's old. getting. I think he's getting close to seventy. I think he's like mid sixty. Okay. Um. But anyway, that we always guessed when Carter and Colin re- go through Georgia Tech, finish their careers, and they move on. We thought he was going to retire, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on that anymore. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I bet it has a big part of like how this year ends up, how next year ends up, and those kind of things. But Moving just like through the SEC, the surprise team of the week, and probably the surprise team in the last couple the SEC. weeks. SEC or I ACC. We were on the ACC. That's okay, what I meant. Okay. I meant I meant ACC. I'm so sorry. Just addicted to the SEC, man. Uh, <laughs> but moving on with the ACC, the surprise team of the week, NC State. I mean, they're on fire right now. They sweep the first placed Virginia Tech team in the Coastal. They're you know finally back at 500 in the uh, in the ACC. So NC State finally playing good baseball. They didn't only like beat Virginia Tech. NC State like straight up dominated them at home. Like I'm about to read you the scores. I mean, they won 11-3. Oh, I guess today was pretty close, seven to six. But you know, they started putting the offense together. Um, you know, they have a pretty, pretty reasonable schedule the rest of the way, too. Man, it wouldn't surprise me to see them get an at-large bid sitting at like a 45 RPI. Um, I don't know, but the ACC is just a mess right now. The ACC is a complete mess because I'm looking at the standings. The Coastal has Pitt at 14 and 10, who didn't play this week. You have Virginia Tech 15 and 12, Georgia Tech 15 and 12, Miami 14 and 12, North Carolina 14 and 13. Like they're all separated within a game and a half of each other. That is one, two, three, four, five teams separated against or by a game and a half in the Coastal. And then you have Notre Dame and Louisville kind of battling it out in the Atlantic, but I mean, if you look down, like Florida State and NC State, three and four, both playing really good ball as well. So I don't know if, like, the ACC is super good or not as so, good as we think. So so, so now that we're, we're, talk, we're talking about this, the ACC, that's a big question mark we have with, with the ACC. Because it plays a big part in the RPI. Like, how good are these teams? So Kyle Peterson in the Vanderbilt game was talking about the RPI. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, we posted a little, yeah, I I posted saw a little it. clip. No, I saw it. And he talked about how, you know, this year, without no, a lot of teams not playing out of conference, all this stuff, get rid of the RPI. And I think that's a, in no respect, everyone's got the right there. And my personal opinion is a terrible, not a terrible idea, but it's a bad idea. And here's why it set a bad precedent for the RPI. We've been going off the RPI for a long, long time, and it's been really accurate. And it has held the committee accountable. And here's what I mean by that. When the RPI, when you see a team that's a 30 RPI, it's pretty accurate. It, it weighs teams, right? It, it, it's really, it's just a really, if you understand what the RPI is, you'll like it. I know you hate it, which is fine. I hate it. I hate it. You hate it. But the RPI has been accurate. It's been relied on for a long time and it's held the committee accountable. So it can, like in college football, College basketball, you got to earn your way in for the most part. You got your at largest, but college football, they can put whoever they want in the final four. They can set the rankings however they want. They can put whoever they want in bowl game. They can manipulate it for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. If the RPI, if you're a 30 RPI, you're a 30 RPI. 
a team, a, a committee can't just slip in some power five team in there just because they have a nice, pretty record. The RPI shows you how good that record is. You understand what I'm saying? No, I understand. But look, I just think like I, I get it. The RPI is like a very useful tool and it's like something that re- relied upon, but I just think it's just used as a shield for the committee and for baseball writers where they're just like, no, no, don't yell at us. Yell at the RPI. You know what I mean? Like they just use the RPI to take the bullets and the deflections. Like, Hey, it's not us. Like we let them in their RPI is 21. Like, but if you look at them and you're like, man, like what's right state doing at 18, in the RPI, like they're not a good team. Like they just use it as but, like but, a shield. But the thing is that's going to get them in. That's going to get them in our largest year. But why? Like, if you look at them on paper, you're just like, that's, I mean, if you look at them on the field, not on paper, you're just like right state would not even, they wouldn't beat Auburn two out of three. They would, they you might get swept. But, but you don't know that. You don't know that the RPI that's that's what I'm saying. The RPI gives us an understanding of their 18 and 10 record. You get what I'm saying? They yeah, they like played quality losses, they, but they played a few close games. For the, they lost five straight to open the season again. Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt and somebody else. Alabama, maybe. Maybe it was Alabama. Vanderbilt and Alabama. They started 0 and five, and then they won like 18 of 18 their next of their, 23. Yeah, so. <laughs> The RPI gives you an understanding of how good a team is. So I think I think to one extreme and the other, like it shows you how good a team is and how bad a team is. But let me ask you this: eighteen and ten right state take away away all the RPI. They're not even getting a sniff. They're not even getting a look. So, which they shouldn't. Why? Have you looked at their schedule? It's trash. But but anyway. Okay, yeah, their schedule is trash, but they're 18 and 10. The other teams that they have beaten that are trash, maybe they have a couple quality wins somewhere way down in the matrix of schedules. But going back to what Kyle Peterson said, getting rid of it, you can't do that. Like he he knows that, and he was probably saying maybe yeah. for this year alone. When, when he said that, I forgot to do this. I was going to look at Stanford's RPI. I feel like he's got a little Stanford bias, and I'm sure like Stanford's <laughs> RPI is like much lower. I'm about to look it up real fast. But anyway. Oh, uh, Stanford's sitting at 20. This year, Maybe he this just year, wants Stanford to be in a, a regional host or something. Anyway, this year alone, it's difficult. And you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to do some more research. You're going to have to do more on-field look, all that good stuff. But I, you, I think the RPI, it's going back to where this whole thing started, the ACC. Louisville, if you're there, Louisville's RPI is like in the 70s, 80s, 60s. It's pretty low. ACC champ. If they if they Louisville win the is ACC, uh, four, Louisville's forty six. They actually jumped thirteen spaces. Yeah, yeah. They so they were fifty seven. They were like in the sixties a week ago. Yeah. And if you win the ACC, you're a national seed. You have to be. You're a national seed. So that's what that's what he was talking about with the RPI and getting rid of it for this year. And it's like I see what he's saying. I get it. But you're just gonna have to do something else for this year alone, and then we go right back to the RPI for the years to come. You yeah, and like another another point is like Nebraska sitting at 48 in the RPI, and if they win the Big Ten, like they're gonna host a regional. Yeah, if you're a Big Ten champ like that, you're hosting a regional. Yeah, I mean, I, so, okay, I think we agreed to disagree, but for the most part, I have the same like I guess morals behind it. Uh, but yeah, the RPI has just been a mess this year. Anytime you see like Fairfield number two, and I understand they're twenty five and zero, but come on, like 
we we love Fairfield and like their SID or whoever runs their Twitter account loves us, but you can't have them at like top. You can't even have them in the top 50 RPI in my opinion, but they're sitting at number two. Yeah, but they're undefeated, dude. Who You're cares? Undefeated. I mean, I get it. They're 25 and 0. That's hard to do. But I mean, name the conference they play in right now without looking it up. The Mid-Atlantic. Metro Atlantic. Metro Atlantic. <laughs> See what I mean? Same thing. Name five teams in the Metro Atlantic right now. Iona, Niagara, um, St. Peter, Manhattan, and um, Iona, Niagara, Manhattan, St. Peter, and... <laughs> you can't um, there, i mean it's quinnipiac is in last quinnipiac canisius Ryder, marist monmouth okay, anyway 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 ben the moment they lose a game they're going to drop 30 points in the rpi that's how it works yeah. so that's why they're undefeated they should be number two they're not even number one arkansas is number one well arkansas deserved to be number one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 100 percent. but you're undefeated you're undefeated no no but if and or what i don't even know if i said that phrase right but anyway so yeah so acc louisville doesn't matter what the rpi is if you win the acc you're a national seed i agree i think the acc should get at least two uh regionals maybe three regional hosts. oh okay regional host yeah but i'm talking about national seed notre dame's gonna get a regional yeah notre dame louisville, louisville and who else Honestly, maybe Pitt. You maybe might, you maybe give Pitt a regional because they're first in the Atlantic Division. I mean, uh, Coastal Division. Yeah, but they only have a half game lead against Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and a game lead on Miami, and a game and a half. And think about this. North think Carolina. about this. Virginia Tech got swept by NC State, who's pretty hot right now. Who? So the ACC, I think, I think what's happening with the ACC, there's a bunch of really good teams just beating up on each other. Yeah. Do I think Miami, the top I have, 30 team? I have a theory real fast, real fast about Pitt. Do you think Pitt saw this number nine Louisville team show up and they were like, you know what, let's just not play this series. We have four against Northern Kentucky after that, and then we have three against Boston College, three against NC State, and three against Wake Forest. And they're thinking, this is our best chance in school history to host. Let's just Let's just fake COVID here. Three games at Louisville. Let's just say, eh, whatever. Let's not travel to Louisville. And let's just take our chances hosting with the soft schedule we have remaining. Because you can't drop in the right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make assumptions here. They they say COVID. They say COVID, 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 COVID. We can't play, we can't play. But I highly doubt there was actually any substantial evidence to that. But hey, if they that's the reason why they did it. I tip my cap because it's not a bad play. Too. It's not I, a bad The play. first thing I did whenever I saw that they canceled the series was like, I'm gonna see what the remaining schedule is. And it's very, very easy. Like it's very easy. About as easy as you can get in the ACC. And so I think Pitt probably saw like, hey, we got a chance to host hey. a regional. Let's not mess this up. Well, while we're talking about the geographical location of the ACC, I say we talk about that Charlotte Old Dominion series. Let's do it, man. Because that was a series that was most looked forward to and we had ben verlander on the podcast last episode if you haven't got a chance to listen to it it was fantastic uh he's an old dominion grad all american there and so i thought it was going to go 2-2 split just because i saw two double headers and i was like eh, no team's going to sweep a double header you called it from the get-go you said charlotte's going to win three out of four i said no chance and they did 
And the, the Niners. 49ers damn did the thing. Did the, the damn thing. Niners separate themselves from the pack a little bit in the Conference USA East division. Three game lead. Is it North and South or East and West in Conference USA? I always forget. East and West. Okay. So yeah, they're in the East division. And but guess what? They have to come right back around, play at Old Dominion next weekend, four games. And if Old Dominion takes three out of four, boom, they're both four and four. Oh, I think of this the exact same scenario as Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. Yeah. Charlotte goes two and two at Old Dominion. They're the clear cut better team. Because if you win three out of four at home against the team, you're winning three to. out of four is really hard to do. Yeah. So if you, they go two and two at Old Dominion, Charlotte is by far the better team. So that's why, like, like they're playing four more. Old Dominion needs to smack them to erase what happened this weekend. They need to take three. They have to win three, three minimum. Now, what happens if Old Dominion takes or sweeps them four zero? Now that now you're looking at. Old Dominion, Old Dominion in first place in the Conference USA. So the, basically, the way is, the way it works is if Old Dominion sweeps, goes four and zero, they're the better team. If Old Dominion wins three out of four, they're very even teams. And if they split or they lose the series, then Charlotte's the way better team. If Old yeah, if if Old Dominion wins three out of four, they're really even. If they split two two, Charlotte's the better team. Yeah, but I mean, it really is just a four headed race in the Conference USA. You got two in the East, two in the West. And think Obviously. about this. As good as Louisiana Tech has been this year and in the Conference USA, Charlotte's got a three-game lead over them in the overall standing, yeah, which is do. crazy. Yeah, they do. I mean, and didn't help that Louisiana Tech lost – or actually, I'm not going to say lost, but they split the series against, against Marshall, Marshall, who was 2-14 in Conference USA coming into this week. So a split series, I believe it was at home at Louisiana Tech. At home. And you cannot, you cannot, 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 cannot split that series if you're Louisiana Tech. Now you have Southern Miss only a half a game back. And Southern Miss took care of business. They won the first three games at home against Western Kentucky. They lost today, but it's so hard to sweep four games. They're 12-1 and one against teams not named Louisiana Tech. And that one loss was to Kentucky, Western Kentucky today. Wait, no, no, no. I, I take that back. They're no, 11, you're right. They're 11-1. and one. Oh yeah, eleven and one, and that one lot they were eleven and zero coming into today. Wait, wait, wait! No, 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 no! I take that back again. They're ten and one against teams not named Louisiana Tech because they they went they they won oh, one yeah. at home and two at so they won three, so they went three and five in those four games against Louisiana Tech. So they're eleven. Uh, they're ten and one against team not named Louisiana Tech. So. Southern Myth, I mean, that's why the whole four-game series and the doubleheader just throwing everything off. Because in a regular year, we're probably sitting here thinking Southern Myth is the better team. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they wouldn't have played Louisiana played, Tech eight games. Yeah, so who knows? They would have only played them probably three, right? Yeah, they only play each team three times in a normal season. But they played eight games. You can't get a better measurement and, than that. And now, like, they're they're not playing – they're not playing much cross east and west, right? It's just they're a little playing, bit. I don't think they're playing any cross. Well, Louisiana Tech crossed and played Marshall. Oh, that's right. That's right. So they're um, probably one or two game. Yeah. And like Southern Miss series. is playing at FAU. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. But yo, speaking of Conference USA and RPIs and hosting and stuff, Charlotte's got 11 RPI. 
Charlotte and Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech all are like very, very close. Like they're just a hot stretch down the end of the season to potentially hosting. Guess who's got the lowest RPI of those four teams? Louisiana Tech, I think, right? They have the lowest RPI out of all four teams. And they have, and right now, today, they have the best chance to host, which is why the next couple of weeks are going to be insanely crazy. But you got to remember, they're picking regional sites well before the end of the season. Yeah. They're with probably two, I think, two weeks to go. They're picking. I think in two weeks they're picking it. Or maybe three. And then, and then they have two more weekends of baseball left uh-huh. bef- after that. So these next two weeks are, m- I can't emphasize this enough, massive. For Conference comes, USA. For the whole country. If you want to host, these next two weeks are massive because Louisiana Tech better go, they better play really well the next two weeks and they'll get a hosting spot. Right. Charlotte is right there to get a hosting spot. And they need to dominate Old Dominion again. If they do that, I think they might be a lock. A lock? I don't know, but I don't know. I, I wonder if they put a bid in. I think they did. They should. If they didn't, they're stupid. I think they put a bid in. So they have to. If you're even I, close. I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see how this unfolds in a couple no, of weeks. No, I am too. Uh speaking of like teams that are hot right now that not a lot of people are talking about, how about Tulane, man? We saw them you know tearing it up early in the season and, and they, they make- kind of went through a cold spell but now they're leading the american athletic conference 10 and 1 record in conference 10 straight wins east carolina drops two uh two games to ucf that was kind of an upset you know splitting a four-game series against ucf was not what east carolina needed but tulane sitting there at 10 and 1 record in conference and i was looking at the remaining schedule it's it's pretty tough it's pretty tough they have Four at Houston, no, sorry, four at home against Houston, and then they go four, four games to East Carolina right before that, you know, regional bid day. So they could really ruin East Carolina's um, parade. And then they have UCF and Cincinnati, four games in each series. So Tulane, they're in the right position right now, but like, can they hold up, or have they just played an easy conference that schedule? Schedule so coming up with East Carolina, that that series is going to be massive. Yeah. I mean, they're first in they're they're first in the American Athletic or the AAC. If they win that series, Tulane. So yeah, let me ask you this then. Let's say Tulane wins that series against East Carolina. Because a week ago we were sitting here saying East Carolina is a lock to host, right? Yeah. If Tulane wins that series and Tulane wins the conference, can can you give East Carolina a hosting spot but not Tulane? Dude, I don't know. No, like in my opinion, in my personal, just straight up opinion, I'm going to take a hard no. If you can't beat the team, you shouldn't get a regional spot over a team that you didn't finish in front of in the standing. But listen, like they've they've swept Charlotte this year. I know. They've swept uh, Cincinnati, who's pretty decent, swept Memphis. I mean, they just slipped up one weekend. I mean, they're still 28 and seven this year. I think I'm not saying East Carolina's not good. I'm not saying they've done enough, wouldn't you think? I I I don't know, man. I'm not the committee, and if I'm put, I'm sitting here as a committee. They have to be Tulane. You have to beat Tulane, and they have them at home, so they should win three out of four. Even though I know they just slipped up against UCF, we've seen UCF be sleek or be uh, sneaky all year. 
I mean, they did take two out of three at Ole Miss, and yeah. dude, and dude, UCF. We, I, I've been high on UCF, and they've completely faltered. They have looked like shit the past month. Mm-hmm. But that's the UCF team. I'm gonna say it again. I said it probably a 30 episodes ago. This team returned almost everybody from last year, and that this last team year's team was so good, was really good. And so, I wouldn't be surprised when we get to tournament time or conference tournament that UCF like somehow wins that tournament. And um, and then you're looking at the AAC getting. Well, we saw Cincinnati come out of nowhere and win it in 2019 and get the regional bid. Yep. Like UCF could easily do it. They have the talent. They have. They can do it, but. Tulane has a sixth bend. This is how big. Let me let me just go ahead and tell you how big that series against East Carolina is. Tulane, from an RPI standpoint, is at 65. Okay. Mm-hmm. East Carolina is at 13. You're gonna you're gonna learn something here. Tulane plays Houston, who has a 217 RPI. It's not going to help their RPI at all. If anything, their RPI is going to fall. They have to win all four games against Houston. Have like, to. like you have to, okay? Then they play East Carolina for four. If they can get two wins there, their RPI will be sitting about 60. Maybe they probably get up to like 50. And then they play UCF, who is 87. They got to take three there. Then you have Cincinnati with 100 RPI. So Tulane, if they want to get an at-large bid, they better they better crank it up. <laughs> I mean, you, and like they've it, already won ten in a row. Like it's it, going to be tough. It, yeah, exactly. Like if you want to get at-large, you're probably going to have to win three out of four against East Carolina because or do a Houston, lot of damage in the tournament. Like you, the, yeah, well, yeah, American yeah. tournament. But Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati RPI wise are not going to help them move up. Yeah. So that that's how big the East Carolina series. That's literally their whole season on the freaking line. Yeah. So I'm here for it. I am too. I mean, I think it's going to be fun down the stretch. I think <laughs> I, I think the American. I think the American's going to be a disaster to wrap up the season. Anyways, well, let's let's talk a little bit about some other mid major uh, upset that happened. I guess you could call it an upset. Well, you know what? But hold on. Before we got on the show, the reason why we started at twelve o'clock at night was because of that UC Santa Barbara. Long Beach game, yeah. which ended up going 12 innings. Santa Barbara scored three in the ninth Wild to tie pitch. it up. Then they went to the 12th, hit a three-run homer. They won the game eight to five. Santa Barbara ended up splitting that four-game series two and two. The Big West Conference is coming down to Santa Barbara and UC Irvine. Both teams, like, on the fringe of being ranked, we ended up ranking one of those two. And you guys can check our Twitter and see that which one of those two we ranked. But yeah, the Big West, man, the, it's a two. I mean, it's a two-headed. Like they probably will get two teams in. I, I think it's safe to say, like Santa Barbara and Irvine, as of right now, I think are locks for the tournament. But I mean, but, you, but hold on, Santa Barbara's not a lock. Their RPI is sixty-nine. I know, and they're zero and four against Quadrant One teams, which means they haven't really beaten anybody that it's was good. Is good, yeah. But Man. I mean, the tradition that they've had, I mean, they're 26 and 12 this year. They're going to end up winning a lot more games before the season's over. I think they're a lock. I think they're going to do just enough to get in. Um, UC Irvine is my team to win the Big West right now. Yeah, they and have a game lead to, right now against Santa Barbara. And that's easy to say because, yeah, but they just. So let's go back, back up a little bit. 
this weekend, UC Irvine took two out of three against Oregon State. That game was that series. I don't know if you got to watch much of it, but it was it was electric. Friday night, UC Irvine had the lead. Okay, Oregon State hit a go a game tying two run homer in the ninth with two out. Oregon State ended up winning seven to five in eleven innings. Yesterday, UC Irvine, I think it was like tied in like seventh or eighth. Um, it was uh, Oregon State hit, I think, a two-run homer. Or they scored two in the eighth yep. to tie it up. And then, and then Irvine, Irvine hit a walk-off. Yeah, I did see it. that. And then today, Irvine won seven to six in 12 innings. They both hit – Oregon State hit a home run in the top of the eighth. Irvine hit a solo shot in the bottom of the eighth. They went 12 innings. Irvine walked it off on a single. And now they've got Long Beach for four at home. And then they're at Santa Barbara for four. So yeah. the Big West. It's coming down to some craziness too. Yeah, the Big West is is one of those where like every year, like everybody knows the teams in that conference. I mean, it's like the Cal State Fullertons and the Long Beach State. Hawaii's had some good teams, uh, but this year it just comes down to UC Irvine and UC Santa Barbara. Those two teams, I think, will both get in the tournament. Now I'm like projecting in the future, but that's how I kind of end up seeing how it's going to shake up. Now, the Missouri Valley was the conference I was going to go to next um, before we started talking about Big West. Now, the Missouri Valley, people have been kind of sleeping on Dallas Baptist this year, which is fine. Like they had, I think they had some COVID issues for a little bit. Not 100% sure on that, but I think I remember that correctly. And then Indiana State, who was ranked in our top 25 last week, they matched up this weekend. And Dallas Baptist just straight up. Dallas Baptist just straight up smothered them, man. They won eight to five. They won nine. They almost got swept. Yeah. And then they should have got swept. I mean, they were in position to sweep and Indiana state scored five in the top of the ninth to, uh, to take the lead. And then Dallas Baptist still almost came back and won that game scoring two more in the bottom of the ninth. But yeah, Indiana state did not look good. Dallas Baptist is like really hitting their stride right now. And they have a very favorable schedule the rest of the way. So Dallas Baptist sitting at 22 and 10, we've seen them in the playoff. I mean, not the playoffs, sorry. The, we've seen them in the regional super regionals in the past. This is one of those teams that like can sneak up on anybody and like pound for pound hang with anybody else in the nation. Now I was looking through their schedule, Dimitri, and I haven't found like a very quality win. Now, like their quality wins would be like they split with Gonzaga and like they beat Oklahoma and they beat Missouri twice, but like the big quality win that I was hoping. Those aren't quality win. Gonzaga is the only one. Yeah, but like the only one that's like kind of up in the air is like Arizona, but they lost 18 or sorry, 15 to eight. Like Dallas Baptist has no quality wins this year except for this Indiana State series. So I don't know if like I'm going to be riding the Patriots to the to the postseason. Okay, Ben, here's another crazy thing Dallas Baptist RPI 85, Indiana State is 22. Obviously, Dallas Baptist showed they were the better team. Like okay. it wasn't even a question. It wasn't even. It was hands down better team. Okay. Indiana State, as of right now, they lock for a two seed. Oh. Dallas Baptist is fighting. What? I wouldn't say lock. They're they they're they're a pretty convincing, com- comfortable two seed right now. And I mean, if you looked at every regional projection, they yeah. were a two seed in every single one. Definitely hurt their chances this but week. Nope. But I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Your chance. But Dallas Baptist still has work to do. They're at 85, and you're sitting here thinking, how the hell? This is why 
Kyle Peterson said what he said about the whole RPI thing because it's really interesting how this is going to unfold. Dallas Baptist, clear-cut better team. And they're Indiana State, you know, they have their two wins against Tennessee, which are looking mighty impressive right now. Yeah, they are. So that's where you're sitting here like, what the hell is going to happen? No, and speaking of uh, Speaking of Missouri Valley – disgusting Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois has just taken a big dump on our chest after hyping them up all year. What They've been the terrible. Record, what was their record at one point? 20, 22 and one or something like that? I don't that? want to add it up. I really don't want to add I it up. I think it was 22 and one. Let's just say 22 and one. Okay. They have lost four. So they're one. Okay, let's, I want to do the math. One and four, one and five, six and five. Six and ten, six and eleven, seven and eleven, seven and twelve in their last nineteen game. So they, they started nineteen and zero. So they started nineteen and zero. Bro, bro, Ben, they lost three out of four to Valpo. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with the that. last place Valparaiso, who's three and nine this year in conference, and they lost three, three out of four the weekend before to Bradley. Yeah, God, dude, Southern Illinois is just. We hyped them up all year. Had them number one on our mid Okay, not all year. Half the year. Half we got to remember, year. half the year. And they are just embarrassingly bad right now. So, shame on us. Shame on us. But it looks like Dallas Baptist, Indiana State, those are the two teams in that conference. I mean, in Illinois State, kind no, of, but they're no. 16 and 22 on the year. No. Illinois State is... They they can they can go for they can try to win the conference but they, they have no postseason hopes unless they yeah. win the tournament the automatic right. bid yeah. so Missouri Valley that's the I mean that's three conferences we've looked at where the better team had the shittier RPI except for UC yeah. Irvine that's why I hate the RPI um, no but but it's this year alone yeah. it's just this year which is insane and another. We'll, we'll dive into one more mid-major conference I think that we need to touch on, the Sun Belt. Yeah, so about that. Let's talk about that blown call at home plate from Coastal Carolina Liberty today. Now, I know Liberty's in the A-Sun now, but that I mean that was a big head-to-head mid-major series there. Coastal and Liberty, the – I mean, it was just back and forth the whole weekend, and then it comes down to a blown call at home plate where the guy clearly doesn't touch home plate. And they go to review. They looked at the review, come back with the same exact call. It was just, if you're going to have instant replay, like at least get the call right. I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. But I mean, Coastal falls to three and six in the conference now, 19 and 15 overall. They're done. They're, They're done, done, dude. dude. They're done. They had to win this weekend. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, like, I mean, they're literally in last place in the East in the Sun Belt at three and six. Georgia Southern took two out of three at Oklahoma this weekend. That was a big win. Georgia they, Southern they, is twenty four and fifteen this year with a tough schedule. Very tough schedule. And that Georgia Southern team also got swept by Tennessee to open the year. And but they all lost three by of those games were close. close. Yeah, and they all lost an extra inning. One of them. And then they played East Carolina the next. They week. got one. They got one. Um, play Georgia. I mean, be, they've beaten Georgia this year. They beat Georgia. I know they beat, beat Coastal Georgia. two out of three. Beat Oklahoma two out of three. Beaten Kennesaw. Beaten Mercer. So, but the the big matchup is going to be first place South Alabama goes to Georgia Southern in Statesboro this next weekend. 
Now that's number one and number two in the Sun Belt, in my opinion, facing off. It's going to be a fun one because South and, Alabama is hey, a good team. If, this you're, year too. if you're, if you want to look at Sun Belt getting how many teams they get in the postseason, you, I mean, South Alabama, Georgia Southern are your only option. I mean, Louisiana Lafayette, or we don't call them Lafayette anymore. They, they're not getting in, dude. They, they're losing too many terrible games. Yeah. Um, Another Georgia, team we hyped up this year. Um, but like overall, that conference is deep. Like it's a really deep conference. It's a deep conference. There's just, no like, look at them. Like we can just roll past them in a weekend. Like everybody one through 12 can win. Even like we've seen Louisiana Monroe win a couple big games this year against like Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, so, so I think but like we, as far as like getting teams in the tournament, I think you're down to two. I think it's South Alabama and Georgia Southern. Yep. And then, of course, like Coastal is going to find a way to win the tournament and get in. I can just see it now. <laughs> just freaking we'll see. see it now. We'll see. We'll see. But um, let's talk a little Pac-12 real quick. Big series in the Pac-12, Oregon versus UCLA. Oregon had a chance to sweep. They had a chance to sweep, and they let UCLA back in the game. And But I think it's a clear-cut. Oregon is the favorite to win the Pac-12. Um, they're the best team, in my opinion. Like On paper, watching them in person – and I know you've watched way more Oregon than I have. What would you say? I mean, between Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, and Stanford, and I guess you can kind of throw UCLA in there too. Those um, five. Dude, Ben, the difference between first place. So I said, I tweeted out that Oregon was in first. Um, Arizona's got a half game lead over them because I think they finished their game later. So Oregon, I wasn't wrong, technically. Oregon wasn't first for maybe an hour, and then Arizona – won their game and got back and first. But well, Arizona two, did beat them two out of three, right? Arizona beat Oregon two out of three? Um, Yes. Yeah, they did. Yes. So, okay, Arizona in first. And fifth – or one, two, three, four. Yeah, fifth place UCLA. They're the, or fifth place Arizona State to actually. They're the two-game difference. So, you've got six teams with a two-game difference in the standings heading into the final three weekends. And you know Pac-12 what they're doing? The Pac-12 Pac is just helping each other's RPIs. Like I'm looking at the RPIs right now. It's like 9, 7, 28, 20, 30, 35. Like all, all these games that they're like winning against each other or like playing against each other on the road, winning those. Like they're just but helping they each other's RPIs. Mid-weeks. You got to remember, they are playing midweeks. Yeah, I, did, I tip my cap to that. They are playing midweeks. But, I mean, Arizona's won six straight. They're 12 and six in the conference. They are technically in first. I just think Oregon's the best team in that conference. I, I, I agree with you. I think Oregon is really good. Now, Arizona has the best offense in the conference. But they – They just can't pitch. pitch. You have no, you're not going to have success. Like, we the saw them give up 21 runs to Washington State. Like, they gave up a lot of runs all year. So, yeah. Oregon is my favorite to win the Pac-12. Um, but I would agree with you. Yeah. I think, I think the Pac-12 is going to get two hosts. Arizona and Oregon are going to host. Now Stanford, I wish Stanford freaking played more, but like they, they're on the they're on the cup. But don't forget, we only have two weeks left. Uh, no, so the oh okay, two weeks until they make the regional host. Okay, I got you. I would say the Pac-12 has got like five weeks left because I'm looking at Stanford. They have USC, oh, yeah, yeah, Arizona, no, no, they, Cal, until, Oregon, yeah. and Oregon State. So I'm it's kind of about... like Stanford controls their own destiny. And the reason why, I mean, I know they. I mean, they, they, I don't know. That's crazy. Stanford escaped Oregon, or I mean, never mind. I'm 
ignore what I said. You know what I'm going to do? Here. I'm on Warren Nolan right now. I'm going to predict the standings for the Pac-12. And it has Oregon number one, 23 and seven. Yeah, Arizona, yeah, yeah. You can look at eight. Yep, the computer prediction. Yeah, they actually have UCLA finishing third at which 20 is, and 10. Which is very, I, I would probably agree with that. Because they, if you look at their schedule, they are beating all the bad teams except for the other weekend. And they lose to the, they're, they're toe and nail with the good teams. So yeah, it kind of shows you. Know you, what, you know my feelings on UCLA. Oh, dude, I'm not picking them ever again. <laughs> if we ever have them in our weekend pick them, I will not pick them. And then they're going to win. Just watch. Every time. Same with Florida. Every time. Sick so, of me. I mean, but, this weekend had a lot of action. I mean, I'm I, Ben, you know what's crazy? Well, we haven't even talked about the two biggest things, like two biggest series. I know. But like other than the two big series that everybody was focused on in college baseball, I mean, we just ran through every like mid-major conference that has some impact on the regionals, like some really cool stories that happen. But like getting into the meat and potatoes of this, like let's start with Arkansas against South Carolina on the road. Now that was a series that like I initially hinted at, you know, like this could be an upset for Arkansas. They could easily lose two out of three to to South Carolina at home and the rowdy roosters as Chris Phillips calls them, the rowdy roosters, the, the student section was given the wrong guy, the wrong guy attitude this weekend uh, by calling Robert Moore, Oompa Loompa, Oompa Loompa, Oompa Loompa. And boy, did that backfire because Robert Moore single-handedly beat South Carolina on Thursday night. Hit wait, two wait, ma- is his name Bob Moore or Oompa, the Oompa Loompa? <laughs> Bob Moore, Oompa Loompa, whatever you want to call him. He'll pimp homers off of you in a heartbeat and did it twice. Just two massive home runs. Now, South Carolina. You might as well call, you might as well call Founders Park Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Because <laughs> it was, it was like the that. house of the Oompa Loompa. Yeah. And like, it was just, it was fun. It was what SEC baseball is all about. Now, South Carolina did defend their home park and win uh, the second game of the series on Friday. Like the first game of the doubleheader. And they won six to two. So, like, I mean, obviously Arkansas is the best team in the country, in my opinion, I think in a lot of people's opinion. But South Carolina hangs in there, man. Like they they um they want to see they won a game on Sunday against Vanderbilt. Now they did get swept at Texas. Uh, not a good look now, but I guess it's not bad. Like Texas is number three team in the country. Dude. I don't know. I just look at this S- or the South Carolina team and like they still have a tough test ahead, man. <laughs> They do, and it's the it's death row because mm-hmm. you're you, you. We know South Carolina's good. I mean, mm-hmm. but it, I, what happened to Wes Clark, man? He he strike he dude he can't hit. I know he's just he, he strikes out like, and and let and people are figuring out how to pitch to him. You got to remember that the later you get into a season, the more scouting reports you get, the more abs you get. You see what works and what doesn't, and you know what works against Wes Clark. Throw him the breaking ball. He can't hit it. Throw him a good breaking ball. Now, if West Clark played in like a mid-major conference, if you stuck him in like the, I don't know, Ohio Valley Conference or the SoCon, I think he might hit 40 home runs just because he'll see 85 mile an hour pitching with pretty bad curveballs. And I think he, in much smaller ballparks, I think he might hit 40 home runs on the year. But the SEC has kind of figured him out. He's been struggling. I don't know, Ben. That was kind of a disrespectful statement to say. Because if you throw Sam Bachman out there, he's going to shove it up his ass. Well, Miami, Sam Bachman doesn't, he doesn't play in the Ohio Valley. 
It plays on the Mac. The Maction. Okay, Maction. you you were alluding to those types of conferences. So don't act like you were saying, oh, <laughs> well, the Ohio Sam Valley. Sam Backman from, how about that? Sam Backman from Miami, Ohio, throwing 100 miles an hour at 10.30 a.m. Like, good luck, hitters. Like, we're not even going to take BP on the field. Just go ahead and take My, take my omelet's still digesting. I promise you right now, I'll, I'll, I'll watch three fastballs down the middle. Take my, I won't even my see the fastballs. It'll just go right by my, my – So going back to the SEC, Arkansas is your best team in the country. Vanderbilt is right there next to them. It's the second best team in the it, It's a shame that two, those two We might as well have two code number one. Right. Well, I think Arkansas deserves it a little bit more right now. Yes. They haven't lost a series all year. Yeah. But, but Mississippi State, dude, they're right there. They are they're right, right there. there. Tennessee is right there too. But but what I'm talking about, I think I think Tennessee is a tier below just for now. I because Ooh. Ooh, I think I'm gonna throw I, the challenge flag on that one. I think they're just a tier below. And here's why. Ooh, I don't here's know. why. Look at the look Tony at Romo. Miss- I don't know, Jim. I don't know. <laughs> but no, but let me let me get to the the, the details here. Let's see. Mississippi State has beaten like they've beaten the dude. They okay, so they beat Jack Leiter. They, they beaten beat Jaden Hill. They beat Jaden. Like just like they're they're they've beaten, beaten uh uh Gunnar Hoagland. They've beaten somebody else. Uh did they beat Braden Oltoff? No, yeah, Oltoff I mean, shoved against him. I mean, they beat Ty Madden in the beginning they beat of the year. Ty Madden, that's a good. They have a good resume builder. Um, so like, that Mississippi State is really damn good. They are. No, good. I I agree. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying no, Tennessee no, deserves think, to be in there too. I think so too. But you got to remember, I think Tennessee they didn't they they didn't beat Jack Leiter. Eh. They beat the bullpen at the end. It was a tie. It was, they were down. They were down, and they hit that grand slam to beat Vanderbilt. I mean, so, it was a four to three game whenever Jack Leiter left. No, it was four to two when Jack Leiter left. They, okay, unless he pitched six innings. I thought he pitched seven that game. Either way, it doesn't matter. Way, Either way, they were matter. Jack Leiter had the lead when he left. Yeah. So I mean, I, I messed up, dude. You know, I love Tennessee. You know, I think Tennessee is really good. I just think. I just think Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt are almost in a league of their own. And Texas is right there because of the fact that they're not losing. And they swept South Carolina, which people forget. Yeah, they did. And so, like, you got to – got Texas, they deserve to be where they are. So, I mean. Well, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State and Vanderbilt now that we have uh, – well, before we do that, let's talk a little about how Texas, because we already talked about them, Texas and TCU both have a you know four game lead. Wait, wait, Texas. wait. We went SEC. Now we're gonna go Big Twelve and back to SEC. Yeah. Okay. Let's finish up. The ben, SEC ben, you're here. the you're the you're like I the know. moderator here. You keep me on track here. All right. Sorry. Let's <laughs> let's finish up the SEC. We'll or like right now, and then we'll go into the Big Twelve to wrap things up. So that Vanderbilt Mississippi State series. Um, first of all, let's keep Skip Bayless out of college baseball, please. Thank you, everybody. But uh, when I saw when I when I guess you saw him tweeting about it first about like Kumar Rocker and his, I didn't know Skip Bayless even went to Vanderbilt, but. Uh, oh, dude. Oh, oh, dude. Let me, let me just say it real quick. Get Skip the <laughs> fuck out of college baseball. 
far away. Either get him all the way out or all the way in. I mean, if he goes all the way in college, no, 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 that would be incredible. No, 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 it would be incredible, Dimitri. Imagine get Bayless out of college baseball. Imagine like first take or whatever show he's on. They're like debating college baseball, which they might tomorrow. They might debate Kumar Rocker versus Jack Ladder tomorrow on ESPN. They could. Okay, okay, Ben. Yeah, that's fine. But you're telling me you want to get Bayless's horrendous take off of the moon. Hey, whatever gets clicks and whatever gets eyeballs for college baseball. I mean, okay, okay, publicity-wise, absolutely. But the joke is, and you ruin. Why are you ruining the joke? <laughs> get Skip Bayless out of college baseball. No, I, I mean, I just thought it was funny. That was the first thing about that series. But anyway, uh, yep. I mean, dude, Vanderbilt's football team was out and they were uh, rowdy. But I mean, at the same time, like, there's nothing Mississippi State's never seen before. That was actually kind of puny compared to what they've seen. Um, but I mean, it was a good series all the way around. Like, Kumar was unhittable on Friday. Jack Leiter struggled for the first time, like actually struggled um, and, and lost the game against Mississippi State on Saturday. The biggest question mark to me, why in the world did Mississippi State throw Landon Sims, the best relief pitcher in college baseball, game two when they were up seven to one and they didn't have him today to, you know, when they had the lead in the fifth inning before Carter Young hit the three-run bomb to put Vanderbilt ahead. Like, where was Landon Sims? Like, why was he? All right, so, so that's a good – I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, Mississippi State had to – you got to secure one. When you have a chance to win a ball game, you've got to win it. They had it secured. They have other guys in the bullpen that can hold a six-run lead. I You would you would hope the number four team in the country had more than just one guy to hold the lead. That's absolutely – Correct. But I mean, you've got to, you've got to remember, you've got to win one and you can't just say it. Let's say they don't bring him in and they lose. Lamone has probably had the shittiest press conference ever. Why didn't you bring in Landon Sim? Why did you bring him in? You know what I mean? So here's what I would have done. I would have. So in that situation, there were like first and second or whatever. They brought Landon Sim in. two runs scored. I would have went with a matchup situation and then taking your chances. And then, and then then if we get out of the inning, like with no run, go somebody else, go Landon Sims, the ninth inning, depending on the trend of the game. If you bring that guy in a matchup and he gives up a run and gets out of the inning, you go Landon Sims, eighth and ninth to end the game. Yeah. So either way, but you're giving your, I mean, to win a regional, to win, you got to have more than one guy in the bullpen. And Mississippi State does. They have guys. So I think that's what my, my thing. It was like, game. this isn't one of those things where I was like, after the fact, like today, or after the fact yesterday, I was like, wait, why'd they bring him in? It was like before, like, I, you even tweeted it out, like, like, think, like the good thing about you know, Mississippi State scoring a few more runs and making a 7 1 lead is you don't have to use Landon Sims. And then sure enough, He's coming out like the next inning. So that, like what I was saying, bring a matchup guy in. That's what you have matchup guys for in your bullpen. You pretend that game is a super regional. Pretend the series is a super or whatever. Like, yes, Landon Stem, Landon Stem, then the super regional is going to go back to back days. If he throws two innings, going to come back next day. Like that's yeah. no question. But give your other guy high leverage situations in those moments because. You're going to have plenty of them coming up in the postseason. So I think they should have went matchup guy, see how it unfolds. He gets out of it, let him finish the next one or go somebody else and go Sam the ninth or whatever. I think there was another way to play that, but 
it is what it yeah. is. They went Landon Sims for two. The, the big thing was like Chris Lamonis like admitted to it. He's like, and I think that's what a good coach, like what a good coach will do is like, hey, I messed up. Like I brought him in. You know, we had to get you know Saturday's win first. Understand that, but he was like, you know, if I could redo it, it would be the other way around. Like I would have saved him for today, where you know we had a five, we had a one run lead in the fifth. Like maybe you bring Landon Sims in then, throw him a couple innings, kind of bridge the gap, try to get you know, the lead extended a little bit more, but I don't know. It's all like all in the rear view, but just with the rest of the SEC, I mean, Georgia, another good series win. They're back to 500 in conference play. They won two out of three against Missouri. Uh, besides that, nothing really noteworthy. Like I know Alabama and Kentucky played Alabama smoked him today, won the series, but nothing else really excited me. Besides maybe Patrick Wicklander, who threw seven and seven innings, two hits the day after he came on our podcast, that was fun. Uh, what, what what do we call that? The eleven point seven bump. The bump, bump it up. Um, but last, before we get off for the night, talk a little Big Twelve action. I mean, you cannot ignore Baylor upsetting Texas Tech, and we've said it for a few weeks now. Texas Tech, they're only eight and seven in the Big Twelve, dude. They're four games back from Texas and TCU. We thought they were both going to run away with it. I was wrong. Let me we let me wrong. let me make my announcement. I was wrong. I was wrong. They are not who we thought they were. I mean, it all started with that. You know, they lost the series to Kansas State. Um, they actually won the series against TCU, um, and then they lost a game to West Virginia. Lost two games to Baylor. Now, instead of this weekend series against Texas coming up you know, being like, if they sweep, they could take the lead. If they went two out of three, they could be tied. Like, no, like they have to sweep to get within one game of Texas. They have to sweep to still be one game back. So Texas and TCU are kind of run away with it. I'm surprised with how good Baylor's been all year. Like kind of under the radar, like they struggled the very beginning, but I mean, they've won, I want to say like 17 of their last 19 or something ridiculous or 16 of the last 19, something like that. They're 26 and 13 on the year. They're seven and eight in the big 12, but you know, it gets a little easier. They have Kansas state, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state left. I don't know. Baylor's a team that's going to make a, probably make a regional this year. And so you look at the standings. I know I'm blabbering a lot right now, but I'm just, and so infatuated. And, and I'm just, I'm just here listening. I'm I know. All ears. Just correct me when I'm wrong, but like the big 12, we thought Oklahoma State could make a push. We thought Texas Tech could make a push. It's really a two-team race between Texas and TCU, both at 12 and 3 in the conference so far. Now with only after, like After after uh, doing a fact check, you are correct. Yes, thanks for fact checking me there. <laughs> but the the biggest difference is like Texas has a much harder schedule. They still have to play against Texas Tech, probably an angry Texas Tech team, and then they play at TCU and then I think West yeah, West Virginia to wrap up the season. Now, TCU plays West Virginia, Texas, and Kansas State. So TCU is definitely the favorite to win the Big 12. Well, they play Just each other, on. so that's I, know, the, I think but, that's, the, that's the, the series of the year right there. Yeah, but strength of schedule-wise is what I'm going off of. And like TCU has a much easier strength oh, yeah, of schedule. Yeah. But I'm going to do a little um, conference predictor here from Warren Nolan. I want to see what it ends up with, but I mean, I think – Big 12 is going to get five teams. Would you agree? Hey, Ben, before I look, before I look, can I guess? Yeah, the guess the predicted. Let me guess like the top four teams. Okay. All right. 
I don't have it pulled up. I, I, I can share my screen. I, I have not seen it. I'm going to just guess based on the schedules. TCU is going to win the conference. All right. Well, my internet's being slow, so hold on. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Um, Awkward yeah. silence here. Okay. Awkward silence. <laughs> of course, my internet would be slow in this time. All right. Yeah, so you I mean, it's, pulled up? Yeah, you're going to have to pull it up on your end. My internet's just slow. It's just loading. Unless Warren Nolan's site's just slow right now. Oh, well, I just clicked in. It's already... I just clicked on another um, thing. I didn't click on the projected standing, but I just clicked on another Oh, thing. here we it's go. Working. Here we go. It's working you for got me it? now. All yep. Right. So t- guess okay. your top four. All right. I'm going to guess. So you based on the schedule you just said for TCU in Texas, I'm going to guess Warren Nolan has TCU first. Yep. Okay. Texas number two. Yep. Uh, Texas Tech three. Nope. Baylor three. Nope. They have Oklahoma State at three. Yeah, they have Oklahoma State going nine and one their last ten, or uh, yeah, nine and one their last ten conference games. How how do they have ten games left? I don't. They're predicted as sixteen and nine. Oh, because they actually have a four game theory. No, they have a three game against Baylor. Oh well, you know what? They have a midweek against Oklahoma. That I think Warren Nolan is counting as a conference game unless they're making up a game mm. are they did they get a rain out i don't remember anyways okay texas or tcu first texas and i guess oklahoma state then i'm gonna go texas tech baylor yep all right cool well i i, I can totally see that happening yeah and i but, think the big 12 is a five five bid I th- league i think texas tech finishes in front of oklahoma state it's gonna be close, man. It's gonna like anyway, they have a one anyway. they have a one game lead. But... Hey Ben, this is my last Sunday podcast. Yeah, you're in going the, to in the Italy. States. Going to Italy, man. My last one. Uh, the next time, next time we break down the weekend recap, it'll be uh, in a far, far away land. It's gonna be what are you seven hours ahead of us? Oh my god, it could be like eight a.m. No, six hours ahead. Yikes! That'd be fun though. Yep. So. <laughs> Um, what Last, a weekend! Um, what a weekend! Now we're coming hey, out with hey, our. Before we end it, you want to look? Let's 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 do a quick little uh, look into what the midweeks are looking like. Yeah. Now, are we going to be releasing anything this week as far as like volunteer assistant or mid major? Um, yes, yes, we are releasing our top twenty for the volunteer assistant and our top twenty. I guess you can call it quarter finalists. Yeah, because yeah. So we're gonna go our quarter finalist for the mid major Kyle Lewis mid major player of the year, and the quarter finalist, which is gonna be twenty volunteer assistant for the Casey Dykes Golden Fungo volunteer assistant of the year. Let's go. Let's get it. Yeah, there's only a couple midweeks that kind of get me started. Charlotte, North Carolina, that's gonna be a fun one. Florida Gulf Coast and Miami, be decent. Um, TCU at UT Arlington, maybe, maybe a little upset alert. Um, okay, Ben, let's do this. Pick your one upset of the week of the midweek. Yep. Uh, I'll go with uh, North Carolina over Charlotte. That's technically an upset, right? That out, that's is that an upset? I guess it is. <laughs> Play it safe there. I'm yeah. gonna go with. 
Dude, I just looked at the Wednesday Wednesday ugh, Wednesday slate. It's trash. No, yeah, it's it's garbage. I mean, um, no, no teams are playing midweeks anymore. It's like, hey, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the East Tennessee State over Virginia Tech. That's a good one. Virginia Tech looked like crap this week. East Tennessee State, they're they're not bad. I mean, they're okay. But they're okay. I, I just I'm just throwing that one out there. There is no reasoning behind it. I just I just don't like the way it looks. <laughs> you don't like the way it's matching up. How about Valpo? Hot Valpo playing Notre Dame. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, <laughs> no chance. absolutely not. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered everything. We've dude. covered um, everything. I mean, this um, is probably a two-hour podcast if I think about it. You know what's crazy? It was only like an hour and twenty minutes, which is and I, I, was, I was curious about people like how long like podcast people like their podcast to be, um, but. Anyways, we'll be back Wednesday. We uh, Wednesday and then Thursday, same schedule. Hey, you know what we didn't even talk about, which was kind of crazy. Notre Dame had won every series this year, right? They miracle. They won a miracle. They were they had a rubber match, second game of a doubleheader against Boston College. They were down nine to one. They came back and scored twelve runs in the eighth inning, and with only five hits. Boston College walked four people in a row at one point in the inning. They scored, they hit five hit, 12 runs, a double. Uh, it started off with a home run from Cavadas, which, by the way, was that the might be the best. Um, no, he pulled it to the oh, scoreboard. Okay. He had two in that game. But he might be, I mean, it's Cavadas and Matt Nelson for player of the year in the ACC. Yeah. Those two are, they're killing it. Just so. pure power. But yeah, that was cool to see Notre Dame. Anyway, yeah, Notre Dame is the perfect nine for nine. Um, I wish they would play some out of conference games, but or midweek. I guess they're playing midweek this week. No, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're, that's their first one. I think they had one last week get canceled. But anyway, yep. Good show. We'll uh, we'll be back Wednesday night. Get yep. you all wrapped up with the midweek and and bottom ten will be out tomorrow. Bottom ten will be afternoon. Out. Let's go. 